0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host Wayne Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors take care of business once again on the road, winning by a score of 127 to 116 uh, against the Dallas Mavericks, who came into this game six and one. Um, but as we had discussed on the show um, this morning, actually, or this afternoon, um, in pod one of three, by the way, because I. Recorded the daily show, uh, then did the banter pod right afterwards. That's going to drop Thursday morning for people who are looking for it there. Uh, And then this post-game reaction podcast. Um, But as discussed on the show this afternoon, uh, the Mavericks opponents have not been the strongest. You know, I I didn't want to take anything away from them. I I did like what they were doing, and they were really, really great offensively. But this is always a question of, like, how can the Raptors' defense slow down uh, Dallas and what they're doing? And also, on the other end, like, you know, how can the Raptors, you know, exploit some of the And I think it was pretty clear right away in this game that, like, Dallas does not have bigs. And, um, you know, look, they don't really have bigs in general. Um, Derek Lively, their one rookie big who, I mean, let's be honest, he has some nice moments, but he also commits, like, three fouls in five minutes. It's a typical thing that you saw from, like, Coloco last year, for example. Um, but he's out with, with uh, some sort of illness. And so the Mavs played with absolutely no rim protection, and it was a little surprising to see how much the Mavs were playing guys in single coverage. And I thought right away, like, look, there is a real chance here for Pascal or Scotty or OG or even Yak, if he really, really got the ball enough times um, to really do some damage down low. And and I'm not thinking about, like, clearing out and letting him have, like, five, six dribbles and and, and running the whole offense through them, but... You know, like, I'm talking about, like, duck I'm talking about offensive rebounds. I'm talking about cuts to the basket. I'm talking about transition. And, um, yeah, it was it was a layup line for the Raptors all night. I'm a little surprised that the Raptors shot under 50% at 49.5. Maybe that's just a three-point shooting. The Raptors did go pretty cold in the fourth quarter there, which is a little bit scary because, you know, okay, you get cold from three, and, and Dallas has, you know, Luca and Kyrie on the other side, uh, and all their supporting guys were hitting threes that are really high clip today. You know, you do get worried, like, okay, maybe you blow the lead here. Um, But, I mean, come on. Like, the the Raptors just had a really, really good grip of this game pretty much from the uh, midway through the first quarter onward. And, um, you know, I got to give Dallas some credit. They really did move the ball nicely. Um, You know, obviously, Luca puts a tremendous amount of pressure on your pick-and-roll, and and the Raptors' pick-and-roll defense just wasn't that good. I think, you know, Darko also did a really smart thing here, which was he recognized that, okay, Luca is doing a really, really good job attacking Yaka Proto in the pick and roll. And it's nothing really against Yak. Yak actually got a couple of stops against um, Luca, but it just felt like the Raptors weren't really controlled in their rotations. Like, you know, at, at first they were really confused, they were a little scrambled, and they were leaving guys wide open for three. And, you know, even though that is generally speaking the game plan against Dallas, like you probably need to load up on Luca, and then, you know, he's going to find some open three point shooters. Like, it just is what it is. Um, and you got to live with it to some degree, but the Raptors are really confused in their in their coverages, you know. And and Yak was you know trying to uh, drop back or at least play at the level of the screen and then retreat and you know try to at least protect the rim. And a couple times he got a couple stops on Luca at the basket, you know. But overall, the Raptors are just way too leaky from three. I mean, it didn't really help that like Derek Jones Jr. turned into. You know, Clay Thompson for a while there and he was just knocking down every three and he had fifteen points at halftime. Surprise, surprise, he had fifteen points to end the game. He's not like that. Uh, what else? You know, Tim Hardaway just rising up for threes. You know, the Raptors are also a little rushed on offense, I thought, too. Um, because it felt like, okay, you can get to the basket anytime you want. Um, but the Raptors were really like mistiming it. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. by himself took three charges in the first half, which I mean I mean, damn, I haven't seen a guard take three charges in a half since Kyle was on the Raptors. Like and, and uh, credit to Tim, he actually was mostly in position for all three. Like, I'm not really going to argue any of them. Um, so the Raptors were a little rushed. But ultimately, like, they kind of figured out midway through the first quarter. It was like, okay, Pascal could just get it anytime he wants. And in this game, Pascal was getting guarded by Grant Williams, who is Dallas's, like, go-to perimeter stopper. And, you know, Pat, like, I, I just think that, like, sorry, I almost called him Patrick Patterson because he reminds me so much of him especially in this game, 2 of 5 from 3, uh, 2 of 7 overall from the field and unable to guard the opposing star wing. Uh, but, like, yeah, I mean, without any help sent to him, Pascal, I think, was just super aggressive. I think, look, for Pascal, too, it's, um, you know, you you got to eventually figure it out. Like, whatever w- was was happening before just wasn't working for you. He didn't even look like himself. And, and that's why I thought, like, you know, there are opportunities where the Raptors can play mismatches. Clearly, this game was... You know, a bit of an aberration, and only in the sense that, like, Dallas didn't have any interior defense outside of Tim Hardaway Jr. stepping in for charges. Um, Like, they didn't have any shot blocking, and they didn't really send any help. So, like, of course, Pascal's going to feast a little bit. But we've also seen Pascal's touch around the basket, get a little loose, to, you know, make a couple bad reads here or there. And today, none of that. Just really, really aggressive, really got got going. Like, I can't even tell you how many times I wrote Pascal post-up spin move in my notes. And he just finished so many of those, left-hand, right-hand, cutting in transition you know, short mid-range pull-up, first box pull-up mid-range, second box, you know, all that David Thorpe uh, terminology, I think, was all really an application in this case in the sense that, you know, Pascal was just getting to his spots and, you know, looked a lot like last year's Pascal. I think he also got the ball quite a bit. Um, It's it's evident, obviously, by the fact that he took 25 shots, but you should take 25 shots. I mean, early in the game, he missed some, like, open threes, and I feel like, okay, none of the jumpers were falling for him. Even free throws, I continue to see that hitch in the uh, free throw form, and it's leading to some inconsistency. He, he has this, like, super wide base as he's shooting the free throw. Um, And then, you know, the ball kind of just, like, rests a little bit in his fingers. Like, it jumps back in his hand before he launches it. It does create a lot of inconsistency. I'm, I'm hoping that um, there's some improvement there. The three-point shooting was whatever. But, yeah, I mean, the main thing was he just got to the basket, like, 15 of 20 from two-point range for Pascal Siakam tonight. And was awesome on the glass. Um, and had the sequence of the game, which took place in the fourth quarter. I'll describe that in a bit, but I think overall just, you know, this is a return to what Pascal should look like in this offense. Now, granted, there are other games where, you know, um, he's not always going to get it in all the spots that he likes, or, you know, he's going to have situations where, um, you know, T-Fence has changed their coverages. Like you saw the Mavs adjustment today was to go to a lot of zone, and um, I didn't really feel like the Raptors did a good enough job of feeding Pascal in that zone enough times but they did have some good moments too like there's one play where i think the first play the mavs went to zone i think this was in the third quarter um scotty immediately recognized it cut into the middle of the zone got the pass and then found pascal cutting back door for a layup like stuff like that i think that they could have done a lot more of um but in general i thought you know they just did a really really great job of finding pascal on the duckins and i think for pascal too it's just his, his own opportunities like his hustle tonight was excellent um, I love the effort on the glass. I mean, 12 rebounds, uh, including four offensive. There was obviously a huge opportunity here to crash the glass against a Dallas Mavericks team that, again, doesn't have A, the type of athletes the Raptors have, period, but also they don't have their biggest player. You know, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm making Derek Lively sound like he, you know, he was like prime like Shaq or something. Like, But still, you know, they don't have anybody to replace him in that rotation. And so, yeah, Pascal really had his way. And, and I was really happy to see this. And that's why I kept saying, like, look, you know, if Scotty's here, um, that doesn't mean we got to throw away Pascal. I think what you're really looking at is if, pa- if Scotty's here and doing what he's doing, then all of a sudden you have two guys who can potentially play an all star level for you. And Pascal was obviously a guy who has made the all star team twice already, made two all NBAs. And say what you want, like, okay, you know, like he's not the most ideal, like sidekick or whatever, doesn't hit the three well enough. I mean, we got to see, stop seeing things as so binary as like, you know, you either hit the three well or you're not a good player or like, you know what I mean? Like it's just there's so much nuance to the game beyond that. And of course, like it's a really important thing. Like I don't like seeing Pascal shoot all five from three. I don't like him seeing going one of four from the foul line, but there's so many other advantages to those guys playing together, you know? And and I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't really necessarily see more of a good thing as a bad thing. It's more, it's a bad thing. If you can't get what you need, which is three point shooting around them. But you got, you got guys like OG who's been able to space around them. You got Dennis, who's been able to just make enough jumpers around them today. And, um, you know, and, and the bench actually was a real positive. So regardless, like there are ways to space it, but um, yeah, this was just a an example of Pascal playing really well. OG played really well as well, and Scotty, even though he wasn't as imposing on the offense, he was more of a distributor role today. Super effective in that role as well, because when you look across the board, like he's in every hustle stat. Like, no, he didn't shoot the three well enough today. Oh, four from three, which you know what happens? Like you know, like we have games like last week where Scotty and Pascal combined for nine threes made. In a game against, uh, I think, Milwaukee in this game, they go oh, combine 0 of 9 from 3, so you're going to have to live with that roller coaster. Again, if you have two of the same, sometimes, you know, you get a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows, um, but we can't just fixate on, like, these these shortcomings all the time. You got to think about, like, the advantages that you also have. Like, for example, like, okay, in this game, they were guarding Pascal single coverage. Okay, feed them and then play through them. Now, when they convert to playing, you know, zone and stuff like that, or they double team them, then you play out of that pass and you sort of make adjustments from there. Like, essentially, like, the .5 offense starts when you create an advantage. And Pascal in the post and single coverage is almost always an advantage. Like, that's, like, I know he didn't get off to a great start and people lose sight of these things so quickly and whatever. We we also overanalyzed it on the show as well. Um but, like, the player just doesn't disappear. The skills and the work doesn't disappear. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were doing a really good job, at least in the first three quarters, of finding Pascal uh, in, in right spots. And he was finishing to his credit as well. I mean, there's some ridiculous plays. There's one where Scottie got the rebound and kicked it ahead to, to Pascal. And it was a really aggressive um hit-ahead pass. And it actually took a really difficult catch for Pascal to corral it. Kind of touched it off the glass. Um, in midair, and then controlled the tap back to himself, then got one-on-one against Rashawn Holmes, uh, dribbled it back out to the three-point line in the corner, and then drove the long way around, then stretched through a contact and one to finish the layup on the other side. Like I think his energy was also really high today, but it's just in general, he looked a lot more confident um, I think there's still more levels for Pascal to go. Um, you know, I think obviously the three-point shooting needs to be more stable. And I think that, you know, I think my concern with that was today was just like when you looked at the trajectory of the shots, they were kind of like all over the place. It wasn't like he was consistently missing short or consistently missing long. It was kind of like, you know, about like a long here, glass here, back rim here, side of the rib re- re- basket. Like, just wasn't that kind of consistency. And I think that probably comes from the base um, being a little bit inconsistent in terms of his leg score for that shot. But, yeah, overall, he was just great going to the basket. And, um, you know, that kind of set the tone for the Raptors' offense. I think the other big subplot here was just OG versus Luka. Like, how was that going to look? And defensively, you know, it was never going to be necessarily a one-on-one battle so much. Like, Luka likes to pick one-on-one battles against mismatches. He's smart like that. And he knows that OG isn't a mismatch to go one-on-one against. Like, sure, of course, sometimes he will try to take on OG – and scored him on the basket, or or maybe hit the pull up three a couple times, and he has been really good on pull up threes. Um, the stat that I looked up <laughs> coming into this game, Luca was taking seven point seven pull up threes per game, and he was knocking down forty three percent of those, which is just absurd. Like, I mean, come on, man. I don't think the Rapids as a team shoot seven point seven pull up threes as a group. Actually, they shouldn't. Um, to be to be fair, but. In any case, um, OG versus Luka, how was that going to look? And I thought at first, like, look, it's not just OG, right? It's got to be the team scheme. And I thought the Raptors did a really bad job of being disorganized. Um, I thought Darko did some good timeouts there just to sort of, like, really, really hone in on what they wanted to do. And over the balance of the game, I thought they got better and better and better. Yes, Dallas still got open threes. And yes, they were still, you know, moments where you're like, okay, there was a bit of a breakdown here on all that kind of stuff. But that just happens, man. Luka put so much pressure on you. Like, you're just going to have to con- live with something, and in this case, the Raptors wanted to live with above-the-break threes. And it, credit to Dallas, some of their guys shot really well. You know, like I, Kyrie was neg- you know, knocking down a, a decent amount. I think he's been a little cold from three to start the year. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. was awesome from three. Grant Williams knocked down a couple of threes. Tim Hardaway was unconscious. Some of those, he's super contested. He's still knocking them down. So you got to give him credit. But for the most part, OG did a really good job. Um, I think very few individual mistakes from him against Luca, made it tough. I think driving, you know, when Luca was driving, I mean, look, this game he finished with 31, which ties Pascal for the game high. But a lot of those was like Luca walking to the basket late in the game, getting like at least like six points just walking to the basket and the Raptors not wanting to foul. Um, like, eh, I mean, I don't know. It didn't really it didn't really affect the game. And there were a lot of moments where the Raptors were actually able to get pretty good stops uh, against them, you know, force them to play into a crowd, all that kind of stuff. Um you know, he did get to the foul line a couple of times. Uh, that just happens. And the officiating was very strange. In the first half, they were calling absolutely nothing. And then the second half, they called everything. Uh, and it led to quite a bit of discussion around Ben Taylor, who is best known for getting destroyed by Fred <laughs> in the post game. You guys remember that one where he just said he's effing terrible. And then he went through all the reasons why. And um, yeah, I mean, listen, Fred, I appreciate you for going through all the reasons why. Because now we can see it, you know, loud and clear with our eyes. Like, <laughs> this is just a horrible officiating performance. Uh, from him in terms of just like I mean, I, not even horrible in the sense that like you know what they were so swayed against one team or the other team, they were just missing obvious calls either way. Man, there's one play where where um I think at the end of the first half, the Raptors got a strip and OG clearly kicked the ball up ahead to Gary um for a layup at the end there, and um you know if this were if this were FIFA, I would say that's a great tackle and that's a great triangle for the through pass. Uh, but, you know, obviously you can't kick the ball. But, yeah, somehow you could in this case. They missed it. You know, the Mavs are pissed. Another opportunity where Luca drove in for an and one around uh, OG and clearly he just did a rip through, step through, and then didn't put the ball down at all and banked it off the glass. Like, in my entire lifetime of watching basketball, uh, if the bump is on the rip through move as he's going up for the shot, that is an and one. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just at every level, that is an and one. And somehow they waved it off, and they gave Luka just two free throws for it. I mean, look, I don't mind. As a Raptor fan, that obviously favors us, but the fishing was terrible. To the point where um, I've never seen this before, and obviously this hasn't been able to take place yet because uh, the challenge rule only came into effect a couple years ago, and um, the double challenge rule where it's like if you succeed, you can get another chance at it. Um, This year is the only time you've been able to double challenge, and it's early in the season, but... Shouts to Darko. He might have made NBA history here for the quickest back-to-back successful uh, challenges in a game. Because in the fourth quarter there, you had a sequence where um, Kyrie drove it to the basket against Dennis. And I thought Dennis did a really good job contesting, uh, cutting Kyrie off twice and then using his hands straight up, not coming down to to gamble and swipe at the ball. They still give Kyrie the foul call, even though uh, Kyrie missed the layup and fell over. But Darko, you know, Dennis first off walked over and was like, we need to challenge this right now. And, and Darko was like, you know what? Without even consulting with his, with his, uh, his guys, because I'm sure the Raptors have somebody on the assistant coaching staff with an iPad with a rewind 10 seconds button kind of thing to help assist with the replay. Dennis was just like, you should review this. And Darko was like, no problem. I got you. And that and was that trust. And listen, when they went to the review and they looked at it, really, really impressed by the fact that he really did not foul. Kyrie on that. I mean, Kyrie stepped through, and so, and then, you know, Dennis had to change directions midair, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he kept the hand straight up, and it was a successful challenge. The Raptors get the ball. Unfortunately, Pascal's was dribbling the ball up against Grant Williams and somehow dribbles it off his foot and goes out of bounds. Um, and so it's a turnover. But on the ensuing play, the Raptors did a really good job of doubling Luka uh, on one side of the floor. Luka gives the ball up to, I think, Grant, maybe on the wing, who then tries to swing it to the other side of the floor to Dante Exum. And it was a deflected pass by the Raptors who who attacked that pass um, over to Exum. And then because that pass was sort of so high, Exum kind of tried to catch it, but then kind of couldn't catch it, and it deflected off his fingertips. The referees called that Dallas ball, and um, Darko immediately called for another challenge. Ben Taylor goes to the, uh, the monitor again, sees, okay, I screwed up another call in the span of like 20 seconds. Embarrassing. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, the Raptors lose their timeout for 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 that. I, I didn't. I guess that's part of the rule. If you call the challenge for the second time, you lose your uh, timeout regardless. If you're successful in the first challenge, you do get to keep your timeout. Um, but still, I'd never seen that before uh, this season, at least, where a coach is called a back-to-back challenge, and they're both successful. Um, so I think he did a great job, um, Darko, and trusting his guys there. Um, it it did help sort of. I mean, I think it did help mo- manage the momentum a little bit because, you know, the Raptors have a bit of issue closing games. Like, they got some open threes and, you know, they couldn't drop. Like, they got OG a wide open corner three. He couldn't knock it down. They got Otto an open corner or wing three. He couldn't knock it down. Uh, Pascal dribbles the ball off his foot. Like, you know, like stuff like that where it's like, ah, you know, like you just wish they were a little bit more confident down the stretch. Like, it'd be great if you could just turn the ball over to, like, Luca or, like, Kyrie and let them go cook and, you know, let them do their thing. We don't have anybody like that. We know that. But – Even still, like just little things like that, where you know your coach wins back to back uh, challenges for you, keeps Dennis out of foul trouble because it it would have taken him from you know, uh, he was gonna be that was gonna be his fifth foul if they didn't uh, challenge the uh, ruling. You know, keeps that four fouls, allows him to play aggressive defense still, uh, instead of getting hunted every single time. And yeah, I mean, even after that, getting the next possession, it was just, just a nice bit of coaching overall. I think in the more tangible terms. Um, Darko decided to go small, and I think that that always was probably going to be likely against this Mavericks team who was hurting them a lot from three. And one of the ways you can kind of, like, um, improve uh, your – at least your defense on the three-point line is just to go smaller so you have faster guys to rotate. Um, the Raptors also give them a couple more options. You know, they were – at the start of the game, they were trying to kept, keep Yak at the level. So he would come up, you know, and Luka would call up um, Dwight Powell, who started at center, who was getting guarded by Yakub. Call him up to get the screen, and then Jakob will come up to the level, maybe even just the touch, so maybe not at the three point line, um, but would show a little bit and then try to backpedal, backpedal, and try to protect the three point line. Now, the thing with Luca is he was able to walk around that challenge a couple times, which was problematic. A couple times where uh, he was able to, um, you know, string it out and, and get into the middle of the paint and then kick out from there. He does a great job of getting paint touches and kicking out, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Luca's Luca, he's amazing. Um, and it just didn't really feel like that was working all that great. I think the strategy here today for the Raptors was like, we want Luca to drive, um, downhill towards, I believe his, if you, I gotta go back and watch it again, but it felt like if they were forcing him right, he would drive downhill and if they were forcing him left, he would kind of maybe go for the step back. Uh, but in any case, like they were trying to limit Luca as much as possible. That's the whole game against Dallas when you play them. You know, and they were changing up with, with Yak. They had Yak come out and, and show the three-point lines. He was above the three. And, and, again, Luka made it made it even easier for him to walk around those challenges when he's trying to do that. Um, And it just just didn't look that great. And, and listen, like, you needed Yak to some degree because, you know, he he's a good player and he does good things for you. But it wasn't a great matchup for him. And so the Raptors decided, okay, you know what? We have this luxury where we can just go essentially with four, six, nine forwards, and then Dennis. And... You know, not to say that there aren't ways to attack that as well. Luca looked to attack Dennis a little bit, looked to find Otto Porter sometimes. But it just wasn't nearly as clean. The Raptors were able to apply better ball pressure, you know, consistently keep two guys on Luca, trap him a couple times. And, you know, the rest of the Mavs stopped making as many threes. Like, they still hit 17 on the night, which is great. And they're a really, really good three-point shooting team. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, I think they really deflected and, and, and cut off a lot of their supply. And then you saw moments where Luca tried to go one on one, and I thought for me to play the game was Luca um, got on an island against Pascal from the top, and the play kind of reset. I'm not sure how Pascal got onto Luca because it wasn't his assignment, and Luca like tried to drive middle with Pascal. Pascal cut him off with the body and with the quickness. Then Luca kind of s- spun back towards. Uh, the sideline and try to go the other way, Pascal cut him off. Then Luca try to stop, pivot, step through, all that kind of stuff. This guy probably did like five or six moves in the span of like six seconds, and Pascal cut him off at every single position, every single time, and forced Luca into a turnaround jumper. Now, Luca is still damn good at those turnaround jumpers, and he nearly made that as well, but still amazing defense to cut him off, prevent him from getting to the paint, not go for any of the bites, the angles, the step-throughs, the fakes. I mean, he's got a million of them. And um, you know, Luca ends up missing the shot. Scotty rips down the rebound and a bit of an awkward fast break. But here's the thing: when you have the kind of talent that Scotty has, it doesn't matter because what happened was Scotty's pushing the ball up and the Raptors weren't fully spaced. I think Pascal was also running the middle instead of running out to the corners, and so you know Scotty was also running right behind him, and then somehow Scotty like took a hard dribble at like just at the three-point line, um, then burst past Pascal. So even though Pascal's above the play, somehow now he's the trailer. Uh, and then Scotty does like two gigantic uh, steps, and it's able to not able to find the right passes out because no one's really open and in their spots. But he he's able to finish this and one stretching to the basket, literally one dribble at the three point line, and then two ridiculously comically long steps, and then the stretch to the basket, like. I, I mean, that that's, that that's that superhuman kind of thing that they, these the Raptors have with that athleticism. And to me, that was the hugest pl- sequence of the entire game, man. Like, Pascal coming in and really guarding, locking up Luka. Um, and I think Pascal has shown that commitment defensively this season. I know people – I think for me, there is still a little bit where it's like he's still got a little Nick Nurse tendency in him in that like he does want to show help and he does leave sh- the three-point shooters a little bit more open than the rest of the guys on the team maybe would do. But his effort in the second efforts to to get on the glass, to sort of close out, to contest, all that kind of stuff is really, really good. And I think once he gets a little bit of that training, and it's so hard because he's been hardwired essentially over the last five years to do that sort of Knicks system where they were like leaving three-point shooters and, and closing out and all that kind of stuff. Like once he finds a better balance of that and, and, and it does a better job, for example, against, you know, Derek Jones, who, who like I don't even mind that he was helping off him so much. Um, but at the same time, he did not have 15 points in the first half, right? So I think there are some small corrections to get through. But the effort and the commitment is there. It reminds me of, like, day one of the season, home opener. Pascal taking that challenge to stop Anthony Edwards after he got out to that ridiculous start in the first quarter. If you remember on the home opener, it was Pascal who got the first stop. And I talked about it on the show. And this game was just kind of the same thing. Someone's got to get that stop on Luka. And one-on-one, stop Luka, and then Scotty goes the other way for the and one. Beautiful stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, over the course of the game, the Raptors just figured out more and more ways to get to the basket. I thought Dennis was able to use his quickness quite a bit. And he's shown some poise down the stretch as well, although I would have to say I don't necessarily like a couple of the possessions that he had down the stretch where, you know, he like a maybe like two minutes left. He just one on one against Luka and it takes a pull up three like just just no need for that, especially with the Raptors having so many ways of getting into the paint and Scotty and Pascal and even OG did a really great job. And I'll talk about that in a sec. Like, you got to be able to find a better look as the point guard that. Pull up three over Luca, like at the end of the day, like you're not that good of a pull up three point shooter, and also Luca's way bigger than you, right? So, you know, that wasn't a sound decision. Another one where Dennis tried to take it to the basket and was contested and went up for the shot, I think, at the foul call, um, which I'm sure was annoying for him considering everything was a foul in this game in the second half. But still, the Raptors weren't able to get a good shot. Luckily, uh, Scotty was there for some huge offensive rebounds. Got like three or four of those maybe in the fourth quarter and kept the play alive and ultimately drew a foul and got to the foul line. Credits to Scotty. I think he hit 4-4 four or four from the free throw line down the stretch there to just, you know, it was never really in doubt in the sense that like, okay, I don't think Dallas is going to fully come back. But you never know. Like, you, you get within eight points of this team and all of a sudden the game slowed down and everyone's in the bonus and you're afraid to challenge and then Lucas starts to take, like, some wild threes. Like, he literally already did this to Brooklyn earlier this year. So you do worry a little bit just based on the talent on the other side. But um, I thought Scotty then made a couple of really good plays. There also another one where Dennis broke a full-court press. Then Scotty broke another press uh, and then found Pascal Cutting, who was able to step through for a reverse layup. Like, stuff like that was really, really smart from that group. But, you know, not the greatest half-court execution. <laughs> Uh, down the stretch, let's say. And maybe you give Dallas zone a little bit of credit there too. But ultimately, yeah, the Raptors just played really well. And I think surrounding all that were two really big positives for me. Number one was just OG. I got to say, like, you know, more than anyone else, like I'm a bit of an OG offense skeptic in the sense that I'm like, okay, I see some like really basic errors that he has a tendency of making. You know, sometimes when he puts it on the floor, like is he making the right decisions? Is he charging? Is he getting the ball stripped? Is he forcing something? Whatever. This might be the most complete game I've seen from OG in terms of attacking the basket. And in terms of, like, making the right reads, I think the only time he made a bad read was maybe in the fourth quarter he took one to the basket and he got stripped. And that got the Mavs going out of the other way for the layup. But, like, on the whole, my notes for this game just keep saying, OJ I know it'll be great read and tra- on, on, putting it on the deck. And that was from the first quarter onward. But, like, you know, he started the game with, like, a three at the top. He came off a curl. Um, a pin down at the at the top of the floor, right at the middle, and, and hit a three, which was great. Um, you know, he was going to get guarded by Luka in this one. So you do want to make sure that you establish OG as a threat. Um, but it did really establish OG as a three point shooting threat. And even though he only made three threes, I thought he leveraged that threat really well uh, in terms of A, not turning down threes when he had them. He took eight threes tonight. Three of eight is perfectly reasonable for OG. That's probably should be his average for the season of three of, three of eight. Um, but the amount of times OG took a hard dribble, and then put it on the deck and made something good with it was great. I mean, like, a couple times he chucked it strong to the basket and tried to dunk it with two hands. Once or twice he actually did dunk it. A couple other times he got to the foul line, which was great. Six free throws for OG is something that it's fairly doable for him just based on how strong he is and also based on how good of a three-point shooter he is. So if the ball comes over to him and he makes the right read, I think that's the thing. It's not even ability so much as just reads. I think OG's ability has increased, and I'm not saying he's like Kyrie off the dribble, but, like, it's the reads sometimes where I don't feel like he's he's processing the game in, in, at a good enough level where he's able to parlay those advantages and maintain them. But I thought today he did a really, really great job of putting it on the deck. I think his turnovers on the whole season maybe in terms of drives are, have really improved. Last year was a real weakness for him, something I definitely harped on a lot. Um, but I think today, I mean, it just was so impressive to watch him. A couple times he put on the deck and then made a nice little extra pass down low to like Yak for a layup. Uh, another one where he like, you know, in the fourth quarter to start of the fourth quarter, I actually really like this. So it was like uh Scotty and OG with the bench and OG caught the ball at the top. Um, there was a closeout against him He put one hard dribble, got into the middle of the floor. And before going all the way to the basket, he's like, I'm, my job's already done. I've touched the paint. Now I'm going to swing. And there was just a slight little dig from the opposite wing um, from whichever Mavs point guard was out there. And OG just kicked it out to Malachi and Malachi caught it and stepped into it for three. So easily. It's something that Pascal does all the time where he's able to, especially if he's attack, catching the ball from the high, um, like the elbow extended. Um, he takes that one dribble, gets into the middle of the lane, draws a little bit of help and then instant kick out to Gary, instant kick out to whoever. Right. And OG did the same thing in this case where he had caught it, attacked the closeout. Now, I mean, most, Players aren't closing out that hard against Pascal because he's not as good of a shooter as OG. But in this case, OG, you know, was able to just make that quick pass. And it's like the simplest thing. It's not going to make any highlight reels. But it's it's to me, it tells me about the reads that OG is making in this game, man. It was great to see, you know, uh, Scotty finds OG, another hard uh, drive and attacks to close out with the two-handed dunk right after that as well. It was just really, really good stuff, you know. And OG obviously knocking down some corner threes. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, this was just promising. I really want to put together a bit of a highlight reel today of just, or tomorrow, even of just, um, you know, OG just being able to make the right reads, putting it on the deck. And it wasn't always the same thing with some passes, it was some finishes. Uh, but yeah, loved it from him today and a really efficient night for him. Once again, uh, what, 26 points in, you know, 35 minutes, nine of 17 shooting. Like that's, that's great. That's really great. That's the, uh, ability to knock down threes, the free throws, all that kind of stuff. Was there, And on top of the fact that he played really, really tireless defenses against Luka. Uh, and then the Raptors bench. I got to give it up to the bench, man. I mean, I know the bench has been, like, the main weakness of the season. And, you know, that's not to... Just because a guy plays well doesn't mean all the narratives were false about them. Like, you know, sometimes players play good and then they get praised. Sometimes players play bad and then they get sort of critiqued. Like, it just kind of is what it is. But on the whole, like, on the season, the Raptors bench has not been as productive. But you see some signs of life. Like, I thought... In their game against San Antonio, their bench actually gave them a nice little lift there. I love seeing, you know, Malachi scrap and get involved defensively and making the extra efforts. I love seeing Gary even dive on the floor, you know, auto-tying guys up for jump balls. And, um, yeah, a much better showing from the bench today. First off, Chris Boucher. I mean, he hasn't really played a lot this year. He's been on and off the court um, in terms of just in, in and out of the rotation. Um, and I think he's good enough to contribute for sure. And I thought the matchup here was good, right? You know, the the Mavs do have a little bit of bigs coming off the bench, whether that's Maxi Kleba or Rashawn Holmes, you know, these guys are able to do a couple of things, at least in terms of what you would expect from bigs. And I thought Chris was just in there fighting and and competing. And he did pick up a lot of fouls. I think the second half there, him and Maxi went at it a couple of times and whatever. Maxi seems like a guy who likes to mix it up. Um quite a bit, and he got to the foul line eight times despite never shooting a free throw. Um, I didn't realize he was German Shaq, but, I mean, at the same time, like uh, this, this, he didn't take a single field goal, and he, he went to the foul line eight times, but it was all just, like, box outs and stuff like that. But Chris came into this game with amazing energy, knocked down a three right away, um, and just was super aggressive going to the basket. Now, some of them were clearly contested looks, and he was, like, he, he was a little fortunate even to get those to the drop, but I loved his aggressiveness. I mean, like, you know, it's just very, very different from what the, what the Raptors have had coming off that bench. Uh, is, is the length combination is the fact that he was able to fly around a little bit. But I, li- I like his scoring, mostly more than anything else. I think Chris has that ability to sort of make a hustle plays. I mean, maybe the Raptors overall, the, part of the game plan must have just been to attack closeouts because, um, you know, Chris was also doing a little bit of what Ochi was doing, except he was just making contested shots off those drives rather than making the passes. But still, thought Chris did a really good job, had a really nice um, rotation for a block at the basket too. So, you know, his energy was really high as you can always expect. Um, Gary had a really, really strong first half and, um, you know, was knocking down threes. I mean, it came into the game super in rhythm. Like, this is what I – I guess this is what everyone expects from Gary to come off the bench, right? I wouldn't even say this was a hot game for Gary necessarily. Like, yeah, he's been shooting poor on the season, so 6 of 11, uh, including 4 of 8 from 3, feels really hot. But, like, honestly, this is just, like, what you should expect from him. And and he's had open looks, but I thought today he stepped into those – was confident was in rhythm didn't hesitate didn't try to put it on the deck too much and when he did put it on the deck he took a strong to the basket nice little finish and transition off a nice dish from malachi um he had another play where in the first half drove it to the basket another time he could the corner and went to the basket as well so you know i, I like the finishing but more than anything else i like the fact that he was stepping confident into these threes man they got to find more ways for him to get threes off like The fact that there were games where you don't finish the game with only one three point attempt, like that's just a waste. Like it's both a waste in the sense that Raptors didn't look for him enough, and also in the waste for Gary not to step into these threes and 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 run and get himself open. And in a night where Grady very much looked like a rookie, seven minutes, uh, two turnovers, a personal foul just wasn't really impacting. You needed Gary to step in there, and I thought he did a great job of it. Second half faded a little bit more, but still, like I think that you know with a bench guy, if he gives you a little bit a, a bit of a burst here or there, that's pretty much what you're looking for so he did roll and then Malachi listen man i know Malachi is like like uh, he hasn't really done much uh, to start his career and whatever but i think there is very much a push right now for the group to like embrace Malachi and then try to support them and boost them and who knows maybe this is something that it still doesn't work out and the raptors just need to go out there and get another solution at point guard it's quite possible and right? the fact that the raptors have stuck with him for 4 years is already like admirable in its own sense it shows patience but you know you heard the interview with, with Dennis that he did with the, with us on the show where I asked him about Malachi because I, I do see them always interacting and and he talked about it. he's like he's always in his ear you know trying to support him and and Darko really believes in him and he talked about it. he's like you know when I saw Malachi in previous years like some games he would play some games he wouldn't play he would come in for two minutes then come out of the game like there was just no confidence no rhythm you know and You know, I think Malachi really does need to thrive off that self-belief. I know we kind of joked about even the Eric Flynn stuff, right, where he would talk Raptors Nation, you know, and he went at Nick a couple of times. I think one time he even said, like, you know, I would never treat anybody the way he's treated my son. Like That obviously sounds like crazy hyperbolic and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I don't think that there's no validity in that, right? I think at the same time, I think, you know, when you look at Malachi, he does seem like a guy who is a little bit lost, can sometimes get low on confidence, maybe even a little too quickly sometimes. And those are things for himself to address. But if those are the areas of weakness for him, then you do need that support from your leading point guard and from your your head coach. And, um, you know, what Dennis said was was really clicking was just like, he's like, look, Darko has told him this season we are going to ride with you. Like, if you are play bad, we're still going to play the next game kind of thing. And so you go out there and you do it and you execute. And I mean, you're seeing the ability to scrap on defense like today he was guarding Kyrie one on one. And. Kyrie got him a couple times in terms of just making tough shots, but Malachi was in front, staying in front, you know, contesting, rotating, all that kind of stuff. His energy's been great. He's been running into these open threes, and he's knocking them down. I thought he made a couple of huge shots for the Raptors in the second half there. Uh, and then a really nice read in the fourth quarter where after he knocked down a three, that one from OG where he drove it to the paint under control, kicked it out to Malachi, knocked down the wing three. Next play down, the ball swung over to Malachi in the corner. And Malachi up faked his defender, drove it into the lane, and then received, like, with a really smart uh, fake to lift the defender out the basket to get himself to the foul line and knock down both free throws. Stuff like that, rebounding assists. Like, I'm not asking for anything more than eight points, four rebounds, three assists with a lot of energy on defense. But he's doing it right now. And um, if that if, if what it takes is, you know, Darko showing that belief in him, what it, if it what it takes is Dennis putting him under his wing, if what it takes is, like, even Malachi coming to the bench, and, you know, he checked out relatively early in the fourth quarter, you know, Darko kind of knew, like, okay, I got to cash in my chips a little bit. So even though Malachi's playing well, I'm going to go back to Dennis, who I trust more. And so I think Dennis maybe came back in the game, like, nine minutes left in the fourth. So it's, like, fairly early. But... um, When Malachi went to the bench, the camera panned over and he was all smiles. And Garrett Temple was with a huge smile off the bench, giving him a hug. Like, I know this sounds like this, this sounds like some Ted Lasso storyline, but like, I think that's actually what they're trying to do with Malachi. And if that's what he needs, because he does strike to me as a guy who it can get a little shy, a little, you know, can get a little lost sometimes, like, damn it, let's just give it to him, let's just support him and see what he does with it, right? Realistically, we're not going to get any any trades anytime soon. The Raptors shouldn't really be trading picks, especially to, to address their bench. Anytime soon, unless it's a really, really great deal, but I don't really see that out there. You kind of have to roll with the guys you got. And if you got a developmental coach, what does that look like? Part of development is encouraging and showing that faith over and over again. And hopefully, you got to get rewarded. Like, you know, you're not going to play him regardless, right? We've seen him struggle to start of the year. Dark will cut his minutes. But at the same time, he's back out there the next day and he got another chance. And he's been fighting, man. This is like four straight games from Malachi, starting with that Sixers game. But I thought he played well in the Bucks game. I thought he did well in the Spurs game. I thought he did well in this game. I'm happy with what I'm seeing right now. Like, I actually am really happy with what I'm seeing right now. So, not to belabor a point for 15 minutes for Malachi, who played decently off the bench, but damn, that's a lot better, and that those are steps forward, and I think these are actual important um, progressions that the, t- the team overall needs to make. But overall, just a really nice effort. I didn't even mention Scotty in all of this, but like, <laughs> I just, I mean, look, listen, we've been talking about Scotty every single game. He's not getting the first star here tonight, but... When you look at the stat line, the energy that he's bringing, it's nuts. 14 points, 14 rebounds, 6 offensive, 7 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. There's a stretch there in the second quarter where the second quarter was really frenetic. They're up and down, no no fouls called. Honestly, not enough defense played for fouls to be called. And guys were really running up and down like crazy. Like, the pace in the second quarter was nuts. Um. But, like there was a stretch there where scotty was running back like literally running suicides back and forth and he created like four deflections and blocks right in the same time got another three point block as well so he's up to six for the season to lead all players like like damn he is everywhere man and um the passes the reads were there obviously today wasn't made to be as much of the score but i liked his presence i liked the fact that he got on the glass he's just so smart he finds other ways to contribute we've seen this over the course of his career and i know like it's really fun and exhilarating watching him be the number one option. But certain games, you're not going to be the number one option. And that's where, when he talks about, I'm an unselfish player, this is what unselfish looks like. He finds other opportunities to sort of come in and contribute. I thought he played a really good game tonight, just playing within the flow and disrupting the flow on the other side too. So great stuff all around for the Raptors, man. I know this is a really long reaction podcast. I think I'll be up to (laughs) almost six hours straight of podcasting just today alone. So I'm going to wrap it here. Uh, Your three stars from tonight's game. Uh, First star is going to Pascal Siakam. Uh, congrats to him. 31 points, 12 rebounds, four offensive, five assists. Uh, could still get better, obviously. The three-point shot needs work. The free throw shooting. I mean, the hitch, I would love, 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 love for somebody to come and help work out that little bit of a hitch in this free throw. If I can see it, I'm sure most other people can see it as well um, who work with him. So, you know, there's some work to be done. But I love the looks that he got in the offense today. I love the aggressiveness. And listen, my goal, I think the goal for the season or the vision is like Scotty is making this leap. And he's here, and if Pascal plays at last year's level, which I didn't really see as something that just couldn't happen in this context, then, like, yeah, like this could be really, really good. A one two punch, like, in as as terms of one two punches here, like, Kyrie, or like, Scotty and Pascal, uh, especially with OG as a third, you know, guy, like, thoroughly outplayed Luca, Kyrie, and also whatever third guy you want to throw in there. Like, you know, I don't think the Maz even have a third guy, but. Yeah, Pascal was awesome tonight. He's going to get the first start. OG, a close second for me. 26 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Great defense against uh, Luca. 9 of 17 from the field. 3 of 8 from a 3. 5 of 6 on the free throw line. That's nice, too, because OG's low-key been missing free th- throws as well. Um, but he's did a really good job here. And then your third star is Scotty Barnes. 39 minutes. Played some small ball center. Um, did a really good job defensively rotating active. But, yeah, I mean, 14-14-7-4-2 is just a nuts stat line, man. Like, Once again, another six stocks for Scotty Barnes, back-to-back games with six stocks. And, yeah, he didn't score in the same way, didn't hit the jumpers the same way. But if this is the baseline, the energy is this high, and he contributes in all these – like, he literally stuffs the box score across the board. Only thing he doesn't have is a turnover, which is awesome. Like, it's great stuff, man, great stuff. But um, your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's – for me, Is going to go to Tim Hardaway Jr., mostly for the three charges taken. Uh, he wasn't a good player overall, though. Nine, minus nineteen, and, and yeah, he knocked out some threes, but just in, in general, he wasn't really able to impact the game the same way in the second half. But um, just yeah, again, if I see you take three charges as a guard in the first half, like, uh, and, and your name is a Kyle Lowry, I'd be really, really shocked and surprised. So good for good for Tim, but um, yeah, great win for the Raptors. Uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the Raptors show. Got another banger show coming for you tomorrow. Uh, we got some actual 905 content and coverage as well. Some great interviews, some really good, good insight into more of the Raptors developmental system there um, that, um, you know, we'll deliver for you tomorrow. And also the, the banter pod is is back. Me and Alex shooting the, you know, the the, the crap, let's say, uh, just about life and taking listener questions and all that kind of stuff. Even taking it behind the scenes for a couple of events, you know, uh, including Dennis's appearance from the bus. Shout out to Dennis. That's a legendary calling us from the Raptors bench or from the Raptors bus. Uh, if you haven't seen that interview already, of course, it's up on YouTube. It's up on Spotify, all the channels, whatever you want to look for. But still, yeah, this is I mean, this is what happens when you when I make six hours of Raptors podcast in one day. This is probably going to be a lot to listen to, but uh, it was a really great day. And um, I'm really happy with this win. And let's build on it because Raptors next opponent is Boston. I haven't seen the Raptors beat Boston in a long time. I know it wasn't that long, but I know last year we had some really embarrassing losses to them in in last April, and this is a better Boston team, but, you know, I want to see what they got. Like, the way they're playing right now, they're playing really well in the rhythm, and uh, I'm just hoping to keep it rolling. So, thanks everyone for listening once again, and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your night.